0: frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown american drink go to grown Superfood.com forward slash john and order today getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home
1: isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking what's your secret begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only 14.95 Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code Wondery at Byte.com. That's BYTE.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
0: This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fuglesang. I am so glad that you and I, the collective we, have made it to Friday. This is Progress After Dark, and our number is 866-997-4748. Happy to welcome you all here. Uh, happy to welcome our producer, executive producer, Chris house running this show from the beautiful South Carolina's facilities. Uh, Corey Kesliak has been helping us out the last few days on the boards while the iconic Thea Harper is on vacation. Corey, thank you very much. And, uh, Thank you all for joining us. We got a really fun show tonight and keep our eyes on the future while covering the last 24 hours. A couple of quick announcements. The first Stephanie Miller Sexy Liberal Comedy Tour date of 2024 is going to be this coming Saturday. It'll be Saturday the 20th in San Francisco at the beautiful Earps Theater. This theater is so gorgeous. I don't understand how they let me in the building it's so lovely it's going to be a riot stephanie miller will be on stage along with hal sparks frangela myself the last time we played there nancy pelosi came on stage with us and was our special guest and within a couple of months she was speaker again so imagine what it could do for your professional career if you came by you can go to sexyliberal.com that is uh the 20th look on it this way one year to the night before someone is sworn in as president Come on down. Okay, so we have a lot to cover tonight. We're going to see our first test in the 2024 Republican nomination flight. Uh, A record 6,737 guns were found at airport security checkpoints in 2023. Uh, Does that make you feel good? This will make you feel better. About 93% of these 6,700 guns found in security checkpoints were loaded. Yeah. Yeah. In the general election battleground states, Echelon Insights has new polling. Biden, 52 percent. Trump, 44 percent. I only went to public school, but I think that's an eight point lead. Uh, Also, Biden, 50 percent. DeSantis, 42 percent. Again, they tell me that's an eight point lead. Biden, 45 percent. Haley, 43 percent. Only a two point lead. Fortunately, Donald Trump will never allow Nikki Haley to get that close. All right. I've got a lot of unpopular opinions, and I want to talk about one of them briefly. I'm, I, I have a lot of unpopular opinions. I've been through this. I, I'm struggling with Oppenheimer issues. I, I I respect its greatness, and the performances are all great. It looks great, but I I I, I got major storytelling issues with Oppenheimer. And and I love the fifth Indiana Jones movie. Loved it. And and here's another unpopular opinion. I'm going to defend Joe Biden, getting increasingly unpopular. But I've got really good reason to praise the incumbent this evening. Yeah, you know Biden. He's pleasantly surprised me in many ways. I I grew up with a lot of different opinions of Joe Biden. I mean, I love the guy in the 80s who was going after apartheid. Uh, Not so much a fan of the guy who supported the crime bill and supported the Iraq war. Loved the vice president who came out for marriage equality before Barack Obama. Back and forth. But let me tell you, the thing that's impressed me the most... And he's he's disappointed me in some ways. He's surprised me in some ways. But what's impressed me the most is this. Billionaires and dictators hate him. We've talked a lot about how dictators around the world are doing all they can to make sure this old man doesn't get a second term. But let's talk about the rich people. You know, taxes are always in the news. And we're going through the long, great fight in America to try to make the rich pay their fair share of taxes. There's that great Bible story that I love. It's in, uh, it's in three of the Gospels where the, the, the hostile questioners are trying to trap Jesus into putting himself in danger by taking a political stance on whether Jews should or should not pay taxes to the occupying Roman authorities. It's in Matthew 22. It's in Mark 12. It, you know, and, and they say it was uh, Pharisees. Luke says they were just spies. Sent by teachers of the law and the chief priests, which means Pharisees, the conservative religious bosses were trying to get Jesus killed. They wanted to hand him over to the power and authority of the governor, Pontius Pilate, who was the guy responsible for collecting taxes in ancient Roman Judea. And Pilate also ended up being the guy who had Jesus Christ executed. So initially, the questioners show up to Jesus. They're 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 complimenting him and saying, "Oh, you're you're so wise and you're you're so true." And then they said, "Hey, but let me ask you this: Is it is it right for Jews to pay taxes demanded by Caesar?" Hmm. So Jesus first calls them out, says they're hypocrites, and then he asks one of them to show a Roman coin. Show me the coin that would be suitable to pay this tax. And so one of these guys takes out the Roman coin, and Jesus says, "Whose face is on that? Whose name is that?" And they say Caesar, and Jesus says. Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. And it's a great story. It's, it's a fascinating story about how this guy knows they're trying to trip him up, and he gives a brilliant answer that answers their question, yet absolves him of any trouble. And it's also Jesus reminding you to pay your goddamn taxes. Let's get to it. There was a Fox News poll in 2019. A Fox News poll had taxing the wealthy at 70% support. Yeah. Even voters who watch Fox News prefer increasing spending on domestic programs instead of cutting taxes and cutting spending Uh, and their preferred way to finance said spending tax rich people. So this goes across the boards. 63 percent of Democrats, 50 percent of independents, 39 percent of Republicans. This is back in 2019. Taxes are in the news. Donald Trump is in court right now for his failure to pay taxes. Hunter Biden pled not guilty on Thursday to federal tax charges after his plea deal collapsed. He's been accused of nine felony and misdemeanor tax offenses. My whole thing is, if they're guilty, prosecute them, because we should be able to agree on one sentence. If you pay your taxes on time, you should be frustrated and annoyed when you see wealthy people not paying their taxes on time. Right? We should be able to agree on that. Well, let me get that. Right. People do agree on that. But politicians should be able to agree on something the public supports. According to the IRS, over 1,600 millionaires in this country owe at least a quarter of a mil each in back taxes. And remember, the richest 1% of Americans, the richest 1% evade 163 billion with a B in taxes every year. Every year 163 billion they cheat. And those are the people The modern Republican Party is protecting. When Democrats passed the Inflation Reduction Act, Republicans flipped out, didn't they? Because they spent billions to hire more IRS agents, more IRS agents to fund the agency, to finally have the resources to go after them deep pocket millionaires who steal from the rest of us, including our conservative loved ones. They steal from all of us by not paying their taxes. But you see, those rich tax cheats happen to be the GOP donor base. Here's Kevin McCarthy last fall when he was getting ready to run for Speaker of the House and letting everybody know that they were going to make sure that Joe Biden would not be able to have the IRS chase down rich tax cheats. Take it, Kevin.
2: We're putting it out to the entire country. This is what we'll do. But on that very first day that we're sworn in, you'll see that it all changes. Because on our very first bill, we're going to repeal 87,000 IRS agents.
0: Spoiler alert, Republicans didn't repeal the 87,000 extra IRS agents Biden hired. The Republicans repealed Kevin McCarthy himself after nine grueling months. But, you know, this is what Joe Biden promised he would do, hire more IRS agents to go after super rich tax cheats. Because the IRS, you know, does audit low-income Americans. Poor people get audited all the time. And a Stanford Institute study found black Americans are at least three times more likely to be audited three times more likely, aka systemic. Now, we used to readily tax the rich in this country, right? I mean, upwards of 70%. Imagine if the top bracket was 90%, like it was from 1946 to 1964, when they taxed the living hell out of rich people and built the American middle class. I mean, Eisenhower, it was under 90%. JFK cut the top tax rate down to about 70%. When you hear a conservative say, JFK cut taxes for the wealthy, yeah, down to 70%. I'll go back to Nixon-era tax rates in a day for the wealthy. Reagan, as you know, cut it all the way down to 28%. And our economy hemorrhaged. And Reagan had to raise taxes 11 times. I can guarantee your Fox News uncle doesn't know that. Bill Clinton began this process where we fight every other presidency to keep it at 36% or 39%. Clinton got it up to 39 Bush lowered it to 36 Obama had to get elected and then get re-elected to move it back up to 39 under Obama, you saw that the IRS staff in Cincinnati was questioning if some of these Tea Party groups really were these apolitical social welfare works. Remember the weaponized IRS scandal when the conservatives were screaming that they were targeting conservative groups under Obama's IRS? The, the same people who killed Acorn, the same people who tried to kill Planned Parenthood, the same people who tried to kill PBS were telling us the IRS is unfairly targeting our groups. Remember that? Oh, my God. They whined for years. The IRS has silenced us. They all said on thousands of radio shows and TV shows and podcasts, they were silenced all over the airwaves. But the IRS was investigating which nonprofits were ripping off the rest of us. And it turned out that absolutely zero conservative groups lost nonprofit status. No conservative groups had to reveal their donors. Some liberal groups did. This Texas group, Emerge America, they lost their nonprofit status. But the number of conservative groups in the Obama-IRS scandal that were actually forced to disclose donors and lose tax-exempt status? Zero. Still. And the director of the IRS, Douglas Shulman, had been appointed by George W. Bush. It was all a scam. It was fake news. There was no IRS scandal under Obama. It was just right-wing media manipulation. And of course, under Trump, his massive 2017 tax cut for the super-rich helped add 25% of our historic national debt in only four years. And we also know Donald Trump's IRS did target Comey and McCabe. So under Biden, you already know the story. Democrats gave the IRS a big boost in 2022 with the Inflation Reduction Act. And they told the agency, take all this money, hire a lot of guys, and go after the super wealthy tax dodgers. That's what we promised to do. And they voted for us. And the Center for Budget and Policy Priorities say that for every $1 the IRS spends auditing the ultra-rich, they receive $6. This is your money, American taxpayers. This is getting the deficit lower. Now, the Inflation Reduction Act authorized $80 billion to the IRS over a decade, and more than half the money was earmarked to revive enforcement of corporations, partnerships, rich households, and the Biden administration promised no increase on the audit rates for households making less than $400,000 a year. Now, here's what just got announced. You know what? Let me let Katie Porter explain because she's pretty good at explaining stuff. Take it, Congresswoman.
3: Reach between Speaker Johnson and Leader McCarthy includes 20 billion in cuts to IRS funding now in this budget in 2024, rather than more spread out. Are you comfortable with losing some of that IRS funding that Democrats have pushed so hard for? Cutting the IRS's funding is is really um, backwards, frankly. It it doesn't it doesn't accomplish anything. The whole point of funding the IRS is so that the IRS can, can fulfill its mission, which is hold it funding the government so if Boom. we're actually trying to make sure the government has resources and that we're not overspending that we have money coming into our coffers to pay for the programs that we agree we need then we ought to fund the irs every dollar we put into the irs returns four or five times the revenue in terms of if collection of taxes that are legally owed so this is a very kind of disingenuous strategy to suggest that somehow cutting funding but, from the IRS is solving our budget problems. It won't. But, look, and the CBO laid out exactly what it would mean in terms of adding to the deficit, but you would agree to it reluctantly just to get budget, get a top-line budget. I mean, we, we have to fund the government. A okay. shutdown is unacceptable. Um, but I think that it is important, as we're still in the middle of this debate, to educate the American people that cutting the IRS funding is deepening our deficit problems, not solving it.
0: Thank you, Katie Porter. You get the idea. The Republicans are trying to defund the IRS, and they're threatening to shut down the government unless it happens. But defunding the IRS is shutting down the government. So today, the IRS unveiled new numbers on the amount of back taxes paid by millionaire households ever since 2022 was passed, since the upgrade began to toughen the enforcement on businesses, the enforcement on super wealthy tax delinquents and dodgers. Turns out, with its extra funding they got, in just a little over a year, the IRS has now collected $160 million from rich tax cheats so far. Uh, they audited Microsoft and charged $29 billion in back taxes. They made it easier to file your taxes through free filing programs in 13 states. And they announced today they've pulled in a further $360 million more from millionaire households. These were guys who weren't paying their taxes with at least a quarter million in tax debts. That is now $520 million altogether. That is a very strong initial return for an investment. Yes, they spent billions to do it, but they've just begun. And this is why the oligarchs don't want Joe Biden to be reelected. This is why those old rich white men don't want this old white man in the White House to keep his job. Now, the IRS has collected over half a billion from rich tax sheets, thanks to Democrats getting the IRS more staff. And remember, the Republican Party hates this. The Republican Party is working night and day to help rich people keep on stealing from us, from you, from your racist right-wing uncle who loves Fox News. They're stealing from him because your racist right-wing uncle pays his damn taxes Republicans are owned by guys who don't wanna do that. Collecting owed taxes from the 1% is exactly why the GOP is trying to defund the IRS. They wanna help the rich get richer. That is their goal. As individuals, they want power. Once they get the power, they help the rich get richer. That is all they do, guys. They don't care about abortion. They don't care about illegal immigration. They don't care about any of it. They care about power, and they keep power by getting the rich richer. And helping the rich avoid paying their share of taxes is standard procedure. 75 businesses that have assets of $10 billion or more are targeted for the new compliance efforts by the IRS. And they're moving ahead with new audits on corporations— and a deal to lift the debt ceiling, now the White House is dealing with the House Republican negotiating team that's trying to get them to cut the IRS. They've already redirected $20 billion elsewhere. But again, it's happening. It's begun. Joe Biden ran, promising to make millionaires pay their fair share. They refunded the IRS, and it's happening. But the current Republican full-year budget includes their proposal, has reductions to all the new IRS funding and the Inflation Reduction Act that makes it possible to collect these millions from these wealthy deadbeats. The Republican plan helps the rich cheat on their taxes. It makes it harder for you to get your refund quick, and it drives up the deficit because it lets the rich not pay their taxes. It's never about fiscal responsibility with our right-wing friends. It's always about helping the powerful not have to pay their fair share. All they do here is defund the IRS, and then they whine about the debt. Have you noticed this? They don't want to take in more revenue, but they do want to whine about the debt. And sadly, your racist right-wing uncle who lives and swears by Fox News has not been mentally taught how to connect those dots. Income tax filing season begins January 29th. And now the IRS funding might hit a brick wall on February 2nd if we don't get a new spending deal in this Congress. People can still file their returns if the government shuts down, but we've never had a government shutdown during tax filing season. And again, this is why they want to cut IRS funding. They don't want to pay their taxes and they're willing to shut the government down. Now, Republicans will tell you this is an attack on the job creators. These are the people who keep our economy going, and that's some right rubbish. It's working people keep the economy going, but this is not any kind of attack. This is accountability. This is also making sure the country has the funds to protect and care for all of its citizens. It's patriotism. Republicans would rather see their owners get away with not paying taxes than the U.S. Treasury collecting the tax money it is due. And when these Republicans scream about the IRS going after these job creators and they're mad about basic tax enforcement and they lie that the IRS is hiring more people to go after working class voters, they're not the IRS already goes after working class voters. It's easy to go after working class voters. They have to get the extra help because the rich folks can afford so many lawyers and business managers to hide their income. That's who they're protecting. The Republicans hate the IRS. But the people who work at the IRS are the people in our country who are literally the ones reducing the federal deficit. If Republicans hate the deficit so much, they should love IRS agents every day. These people go to work and their job is pushing that deficit down. But again, Republicans don't care about abortion. They don't care about immigration and they don't care about tax cheats. And tax cheats is stealing from taxpayers. Tax avoidance is stealing from taxpayers. You got to pay what's due. It's only fair. You go after people who cheat aggressively. We have to end the supply-side economics trickle-down scam and have some kind of new version of the New Deal. And what we heard announced today is a great, if a tiny, start. Please remember, politicians who want to cut IRS funding are politicians who want to help rich people cheat on taxes. They're politicians who want the deficit to get bigger. And I'm looking right at you, Trump's little Johnson. Ooh, that speaker. We got to take a break. We'll be right back in just a moment with Adrian Shropshire of Vote Black Pack and TV's Frank. Frank Conniff joins us in hour two to take your calls. We're just getting warmed up. This is progress.
7: Hey all, Glenn Kirshner here. Friends, I hope you'll join me on my audio podcast, Justice Matters. We talk about not only the legal issues of the day, but we also talk about the need to reform ethics in our government. Here's one example, the oath of office. You know the one. I do solemnly swear to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Let's add 22 words to that oath, quote, And I will promptly report any instances of crime and or corruption by government officials and employees of which I become aware. Friends, our democracy is worth fighting for. Join us in this fight because justice matters. Look for justice matters wherever you ordinarily find your podcasts.
0: I'm John Fugel saying this is SiriusXM Progress, and we are taking your calls at 866-997-4748 all night long. 866-997-GRIT. The U.S. and the U.K. launched airstrikes again against Iran-backed Houthi rebels in Yemen after the group just would not stop attacking merchant and commercial vessels in the Red Sea. And two American officials said that the U.S. expects the Houthis to retaliate. It seems like the Houthis have been doing this for a long time because they're trying to draw America into a greater war. We don't know if Iran's involved, and if so, how much. But it seems like they've been bombing and bombing and attacking these ships because they want a joint strike. Here is President Biden telling reporters if and why he considers the UK US joint strike on Houthi targets in Yemen a successful operation. Yes. I don't
7: think there's any civilian casualties. That's another reason why it's a success.
0: There were none. The American military said at the briefing last night they were conducted by U.S. Navy warships and submarines. They launched precision guided munitions to hit specific targets and avoid any civilian casualties. Now, Biden said in a statement that the strikes were in direct response to, in his words, unprecedented Houthi attacks against international shipping vessels in the Red Sea, including the use of anti-ship ballistic missiles. For the first time in history, it's inflamed tensions all over the place, especially here, where both liberals and conservatives are attacking Biden very harshly for this, for responding to terrorist violence without seeking congressional approval first, which if you were alive in the zeros when George Bush was president, kind of seems quaint at this point. Here's a national security spokesman, John Kirby. He was asked if the U.S. is ready to escalate military action in Yemen in the face of congressional condemnation.
8: Is the president ready for a war in Yemen, if it were to come to that, And would he be willing to send in ground troops? We're not interested in
1: uh, a war with Yemen. We're not interested in a conflict of any kind here. In fact, everything the president has been doing has been trying to prevent um, any escalation
2: of conflict, uh, including the strikes last night. we you another- seen a five-person group of uh, members of Congress say that the president violated the War Powers Resolution. What's your response to that? We're very comfortable and confident uh,
1: in the legal authorities that the president exercised
0: to conduct these strikes. Now, Biden has been considering taking military action for a couple of weeks. The Houthis have launched more than two dozen attacks on different ships in the Red Sea. And the Red Sea is one of the world's main commercial shipping routes. So uh, I guess the question is, well, the administration is not intervening to protect Palestinian children's lives, but they are intervening to protect capitalism. At the same time, what are you going to do? I mean, are you going to continue to let freedom of navigation be curtailed by all these attacks? So the administration, I think, did, I hope what was the smart thing. They focused on building a coalition of different countries, a multinational naval task force called Operation Prosperity Guardian, which sounds very capitalistic. But the Houthis kept on attacking, including Tuesday when they launched another drone and missile attack. So they have retaliated. We will see if this goes away or if this gets worse. Okay, let's talk about the campaign 2024. Joe Biden, as you know, gave a speech earlier this week at Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina. It was viewed by many as being an attempt for the administration to reach out to African-American voters because Joe Biden has African-American voters, particularly in South Carolina, to thank for his getting the nomination. And we know you're not gonna win an election in this country without African-American votes. It was a terrific speech. If you haven't seen it, I do recommend checking out the whole thing. It's on YouTube and it's pretty dynamite. But will it help get out the vote? Will it help get people excited about the next 11 months of campaigning? I am so excited to welcome Adrian Shropshire back to the show. She is executive director um, of a Black Progressive Action Coalition, or Black Pack, and she's a leader in developing model-integrated voter engagement programs that build voter power over multiple election cycles. Along with Black Progressive leaders across the country, Adrian. Fowler, founded Blackpack in 2016 to develop a sustainable infrastructure for Black political engagement. It is always a great pleasure to welcome Adrian Shropshire to SiriusXM. Hello, Ms. Shropshire. Happy New Year.
8: Hi, Happy New Year. So good to be here with you.
0: I appreciate it. Thank you very much. What did you think of the president's speech earlier this week?
8: You know, I actually thought that he hit all the right notes. I mean, he addressed um, a number of issues that we've been hearing from voters that they're concerned about, and quite frankly, that they want him to talk about. Um, and so there's definitely the broad issues um, of, you know, he talked about attacks on truth. Um, he talked about um, the importance of not allowing um, the right uh, and Republicans to erase history. He talked about book banning, all these issues that are critically important to black voters and that they are, you know, that they understand as being a part of, Of what they are, this election is about. Um, But he also talked about, um, you know, the some some of the critical issues, the kind of core issues um, that Mm -hmm. the administration has tried to address. Both him um, and Representative Clyburn um, hit on, you know, uh, student loan debt. And what I thought was great about the way that uh, Representative Clyburn talked about. Student loan forgiveness wasn't just—he didn't just throw out the number of 132, you know, billion uh, dollars in debt being forgiven. Mm -hmm. He sort of walked through the process of how we got to where we are, and that's really important because there really is a lack of information or um, breakthrough, I guess, um, of uh, you know the information about what the uh, Biden-Harris administration has done. And so um, when you don't have that sort of breakthrough, the the information not getting to the voters that it needs to get to, people, you know, make assumptions (laughs) about what has and hasn't been done. And so sort of explaining, right, the process, the sort of roadblocks that the Republican Congress put up, talking about the Supreme Court, and then talking about how the Biden administration pivoted. And even with the roadblocks, found a way, right, to get the student loan debt relief um, yeah. uh, done for people. And so the, I, I thought that the speech hit on a lot of notes. Great, you know, sort of talking about the attempts to destroy diversity. But it was all really great points that we we know that, that people want to hear from him on.
0: I mean, there's so many accomplishments that the administration was talking about. Historic investments in child care, historic low black unemployment, in 2021, yeah. with the child tax credit, we saw the lowest rate of child poverty in history. Totally reforming uh, marijuana laws and and decriminalizing it on the federal level, uh, expanding right. health care access. People with diabetes can get cheap That's insulin right. on Medicare. Finally, I mean, it really That's seems right. like the problem well, is the not that the policies are there; it's about communicating it through the media.
8: That's right, and communicating on the, the the policies that that people have expressed concern about. And so you hear a lot of you know folks say, "Well," You know, police reform didn't get passed. And that's true. Right. And so I think the administration needs to talk about what they're going to do to help get exactly um, in a new term. But they did do some things. Right. They created a database um, to track police misconduct. That's important. Um, And and people have talked about, you know, uh, police um engaging in misconduct and then just jumping from department to department um you know there's um criminal justice reform that that they were able to do banning chokeholds and no knock warrants um for federal uh, law enforcement so some really important issues that i think that just aren't getting through they're not breaking through um to to the to the audiences that they need for them to hear
0: I agree. But, you know, I keep hearing like there's early polling and people being terrified that, oh, Donald Trump's gaining ground with black voters. I mean, we heard this about Obama and Romney in 2012 so many times. Mm -hmm. We've heard this with Hillary Clinton and black voters. And the reality is, it sounds like a lot of pollsters really think that uh, African-American voters are going to suddenly think that Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley have something to Mm -hmm. offer them. I mean, Donald Trump is, is... still running a racist campaign. Ron DeSantis is fresh off of banning AP African-American studies and talking about all the great learning benefits slavery provided. Nikki Haley can't even say that slavery was a cause of the Civil War. Right. I mean, right. I, I don't think Biden yeah. needs to be that concerned about losing votes to the other candidates. It seems to be they're more right. concerned about getting the vote out by showing what they've done and what they're still trying to do.
8: Yeah, that's right. I mean, the, you know, um, there's something very, very odd, um weird, <laughs> even about the kind of giddiness with which reporting is happening around the possibility of Donald Trump,
9: you Mm -hmm. know,
8: flipping black voters. I mean, there's something Mm -hmm. that is that just feels off about it. It's like there's an anticipation, a hope even right Um, from some of the reporting that's happening. Um, and, And frankly, it is not there is nothing in our Uh, polling, nothing in our focus groups that would suggest that anything like that is going to happen. In fact, quite to the contrary, we just did poll um, in uh, December. What we've done, we've been doing a bunch of polling, right? Frankly, I feel like I've been sitting in focus groups and looking at polling data, our own sort of internal polling for a while. And we always ask people what they see as the the biggest threat to the black community. And the number one answer is the reelection of Donald Trump. Followed right. closely by white supremacy. And those two things are not unrelated in the minds of black folks. Right. And so this idea that somehow a community that sees this candidate, right, this person as an existential threat to the community would would somehow offer its votes to that person, it's sort of ludicrous, right? And it says that's something right. about um, how people, what people think about black folks, right? The sort of you know um, the lack of sophistication in understanding what is happening in this community. It, it sort of boggles the mind. But I think that you're 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 right. I mean, you know, that's it isn't to say, or I'm not out here saying that you know the 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 Biden uh, campaign has nothing to worry about because people aren't going to show up and vote in historic numbers for Donald Trump. There reality right. is that people are really struggling with the choice of, of their vote. And some of it is or a lot of it, quite frankly, is because they are unaware of what the administration has done. And again, That's the message just isn't breaking through. And so they're struggling with the choice. Do I, you know, am I going to vote? Right. Will I participate um, or will I vote for a third party candidate? And the third party candidate is really if you know that 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 threat or that is real. Right. And so it it's not. a a binary choice here, right? It's not a two-way. Um, because there are the <laughs> no. third party candidates and it isn't that voters know who they are or support them or think that they're better they're just looking for an offer because they're frustrated and they don't I know they don't know but isn't it
0: still a binary adrian isn't it still a binary though i mean think about it like i can vote for joe biden who's tried to help me and who's succeeded in some things but had incredible opposition and this comes short in other areas or i can vote for trump mm-hmm. who hates me and is a criminal and a rapist and a racist right. or i can vote for a third party candidate who will get the criminal racist rapist a anyway. I mean that's it really right, just seems like right. you either vote for Biden or you get the opposite of what you want and uh, you know that's that right. that's... Go ahead.
8: Yeah I mean what I would say is that that, that is the, that is the one thing that gives. The voters who, who say they're going to vote third party, that is the one thing that gives them pause. And so we just did focus groups with with black voters, mostly younger, who said that they're going to vote third party. And they have a lot of concerns, a lot of frustration um, with the Biden administration, again, largely because they're unaware right, of what of what the administration has done to address some of the critical issues facing um, yeah. black communities. The thing that gives them pause is that they remember 2016, And they remember what happened when people voted third party and they remember what happened when people stayed home. And so the thing that gives them pause is that they're voting for a third party candidate might result in a second Trump uh, uh, administration. And so that is Mm -hmm. the thing um, that stopped them. I mean, it it really is this, this people really, you know, they hear Donald Trump when he talks about deploying uh, the military into black cities. They hear him when he talks about building concentration camps. They hear him when he talks about, you know, Abraham Lincoln should have negotiated around slavery. People hear that. That's right. Um, They also remember his his administration. They remember the dysfunction and the chaos. They remember um, the the stress of, you know, uh, worrying about the rise of white supremacy. People bring up unprompted in our focus groups January 6th. Um, because it was a, it was a, a, a shocking moment for people, wow. um, and what they saw as what they saw was, you know, white supremacists and white nationalists storming the Capitol, um, and they and that is how they understand it. They don't understand it as anything else, and so people are really clear about what a, a, a second Trump administration might hold. But that doesn't mean that there isn't work to do, right? That doesn't mean that there isn't work that needs to be done. Um, to to make sure that people understand not just what the administration has done, but what the administration will do. There are a right. number of critical issues that didn't get addressed um, in, mm-hmm. in this term of uh, the Biden-Harris administration. And the administration really needs to talk about how they plan to get those things done or what their goal is to get those things done. And they have to talk about some of the more, you know, sort of closer to home bread and butter issues. You know, we were in focus groups a couple of weeks ago and a woman in well, one of the participants said, you know, the hardest thing that I have to do is buy food for my children. So this, these co- the costs that are affecting people are real. And then that was sort of a devastating statement to hear, yeah. um, that the people are struggling with things like buying food. And so the administration has to, or the campaign needs to address that, those things as well.
0: Absolutely. Adrian. it's such a pleasure to have you with us. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you and vote Black Pack and learn more about your work?
8: can follow me on all the socials at Adrian Schropp. Um, can follow Blackpack on all the socials at Vote VoteBlackpack. Um, and our website is Blackpack.com.
0: It's going to be a pretty exciting year. It's such a pleasure to have you with us, and I hope we can have you back plenty of times between now and Election Day.
8: Thanks. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Thank you. Have a great weekend. We will be right back with your calls. Our number is 866-997-4748. Let's do this, America. We'll be right back.
10: freaker or wherever you get your podcast on because you know i love it when you do i'm
0: john Fiegel saying this is sirius xm progress we are at 866-997-4748-866-997 grit let's go to philip in new york hello philip thanks for waiting on hold you're on sirius xm
5: hey john how are you tonight
0: good how are you hello
5: So I wanted to comment on the IRS stuff. And Mm -hmm. while I I totally agree that, you know, the larger folks who make just a ton of money are avoiding taxes, I think what people are afraid of is going after the folks who are the small business people. And by that I mean Mm -hmm. the folks who are LLCs, and, mm-hmm. sub-S corpora- and sub-S corporations mm-hmm. because, you know, so it's the plumbers, the electricians, it's, you know, just a, a myriad of small business people who take advantage of the tax code, right? So, so I have friends who, you know, they lease their cars, right, through their sub-S corporations.
0: Yeah, I did that myself. For,
5: right, so they use it for personal gain. But they, but they don't go through the tax code to be able to, you know, like claim part of it like not personal and and okay. others. So mm-hmm. so I think that's I think that's part of the issue with people not warning right but, but in this
0: case this is not but this is not about this this particular the IRS didn't hire these agents to go after small business people this was done to go after deep pocket millionaires who steal from the rest of us by not paying their taxes and they've bent over backwards to say they will not be going after individuals who uh, bring in less than four hundred thousand dollars in this. Uh, they're going after rich people who hire accountants to make sure they can find ways to cheat, and it's easier to chase down poor people. They audit poor people all the time. They're trying to be able to audit the super rich now. I well, mean, if, no, you, I, if you get rid of I, these I, agents, I, I, they'll I, still I, they'll I, still audit poor people. They just won't audit super rich people.
5: Right. and I, I totally agree with you. I, I, I'm not I'm not opposed to that. I'm just right on. I'm just saying, you know. Th- but there are plenty of plumbers and electricians and other LLC people and um, sub-S corporations that make more than $500,000 a year.
0: Sure. But but again, if do they have $250,000 in tax debts? Because that's who today's announcement was about. They were going after millionaires who have at least a quarter of a million dollars in taxes they haven't paid. And so they brought in half a half a billion already in the last year by just beginning this program as they're still hiring the agents. So that's what it was about. I mean, I'm sure you would agree, even if someone was a small business, if they owed a quarter billion in taxes, uh, you know, someone should knock on their door and have a talk about that.
5: Oh, yeah, they should they should, like, take them take them home and. You know, have a serious conversation with them for sure.
0: But I'm with you. I'm. I don't support going after small businesses or or, or people who are just getting by at all. Not, no, this is going. To, I mean, I mean, they're going after 75 businesses that have assets of 10 billion or more. This is what we voted for for so many times. They're going after the rich because we already know. Again, they're already going after the poor and the working class Americans. Mm-hmm.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, generally, yeah, I I totally agree with you. I just. I just think that we have to be careful in, in how I agree. and how we couch that and,
0: I'm and talk done with about you.
5: the um Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. I'll be careful. <laughs> thank you, Philip. Go yeah. ahead.
5: <laughs> okay, thank you. Thanks, John.
0: Thank you. Have a great evening. Eight six six nine nine seven forty seven forty eight. Mike in California. Thank you for waiting on hold. You're on SiriusXM. XM. Hello.
1: Yeah, hello. Can you hear me well?
0: I sure can. Yeah. Thanks for calling.
1: I'm gonna give you two things quick the second one to clean the pallet. Okay. Um, I'm driving a a vehicle that's very popular with law enforcement. And I'm going to give you a metaphor. I've (laughs) seen things that were made in the Soviet Socialist Republic. And you can imagine somebody who's 10th grade or something similar, a young lady, and someone pushes something toward her face. And she looks at it like it's green beans and says, no, I don't want to. And they say, oh, please do. And you can go out and play. And now I'm going to clean the pallet. A business friend of mine who owned a business in California said, if you're not here legally, you just open a business and you can get away with it.
11: <laughs> There's nothing
1: that says you have to be a citizen to run a business in California.
0: That's absolutely. And a correct. lot of
1: people hire their relatives and they live in the parking lot.
0: That's correct. That's right. And by the way, if, if the people who are trying to enter our country after crossing the border and hiring a coyote and facing death in the desert, I mean, if they want to be accepted, they should just declare themselves LLCs because at least Americans agree corporations are people.
1: That's absolutely correct. That's why machine learning and AI is so crazy. They're going to be people, too, because of rule.
0: <laughs> are they really? I'm not sure about that.
1: I've been doing research in that area since 1992
0: for NASA. Okay. It's fascinating yes. to me. I mean, I, look, I, I hope Siri, to be alive. I hope we still have a country to debate cyborg civil rights. I, I, I hope we last that long to have that debate.
1: Well, is Syria a male or a female?
0: Siri is genderless.
1: You're correct. You have a very good day today.
0: You too. I've enjoyed this conversation very much, and I feel enriched in my palate cleansed. 866-997-4748. Let us go to Bill in New Jersey. Hi, Bill. Welcome. Thanks for waiting on hold. You're on progress.
12: Yeah, hey, how you doing? Not bad. How are you? All right. Just thinking of weird stuff like what are you
0: thinking about you, you're good at that sir I've noticed very often here in the wee hours when they let us on the air before the authorities find out whenever you call you're usually thinking of weird stuff and, and I appreciate that you give me a lot of things to, to feel icky about as I try to sleep late at night and I thank you
12: I live in a purple haze I uh, I was thinking about a Barbie and Ken version of who's afraid of Virginia Woolf what do you think about
0: that I mean who's the who's, are they the young couple or the old couple that's my question
10: um, if well, they're George the, and Martha, then you
0: got to do you got to have like like the Care Bears to play the young couple, right? I mean, you got to well, figure Barbie, out Barbie.
10: Barbie plays the um, older woman and the younger woman, but um, the mm-hmm. other guys different just Barbies. Ken. It's just Ken. What, just Ken. What about War of
0: the I Roses? Th- no, I think Barbie and Ken play the young couple, and then I think you get like a GI Joe and a Holly Hobby to play George and Martha. Just just oh, go man. for the aging. That's all. I'm here what, to help. What else? What you
12: about got? War of the Roses? What about it? Could they? Do a Barbie and Ken's version of that? You think?
0: Um, I guess I never saw that. I only saw. Oh, who's a of the Yeah, nice Anyway,
12: the other no- night someone called in and we were talking because you had the uh, indigenous people on, yes, and sir. Uh, said that uh, you know, is it right that Jews uh, talk about members of the tribe? Right, and uh, in fact, Jews are tri- tribal. There were used mm-hmm. to be twelve tribes. There's three that's right.
0: left. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
12: So it's not like uh it, it is used sort of in a just different sort of tense and everything. The other word you'd say is lawnsmen, which is, you know, Yiddish for
0: countrymen. Oh yeah. They weren't disputing that uh, they weren't disputing the tribes of Israel. They're disputing people like, you know, talking like, you know, your your team is saying tribe colloquially to be a thing. Hey tribe, right, that's right, that's right. their you, they, know. They, you know, white people should...
12: Right. The other thing I had a question about is the tradition of kneeling in Christianity. Where did that come from? I don't understand it, because Jews don't kneel. It's considered uh, bad juju.
0: Well, Jews have higher self-esteem now, don't they? Um, You know, Jews don't feel the need to grovel so much.
12: Jews are forbidden to kneel, even before God. But except for on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur... The rabbi who leads the congregation can kneel as long as he has a uh, carpet under him or something. And, you know, in Yom Kippur, you've been fasting all day. So they have to have two guys to, like to help him back to his feet. That's the only time they kneel. This whole story of Purim was about the Jews who refused to kneel before uh, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's uh, henchman, Haman.
0: I know that and kneeling has been part of the Catholic Mass since the 16th century. Um, which is, I think, when I got confirmed. But uh, traditionally, you know, it, it's just, it's it's mm-hmm. kneeling is for penitence and, and standing's not, but some congregations, like, I know the Episcopals kneel for the Eucharist during Lent, but they stand during Easter. It's just, it's, it's you know, it's just but, a way of... Go ahead. But
12: the, the Jews are against it because it's considered to be pagan, because the only kneeling that was ever done was before statues and uh, pagan gods. That's right, why that. Abraham's father who manufactured uh... you know clay gods that people would bow down to and stuff You know, uh, I know. Yeah. Well, it's interesting
0: because I I was raised to kneel, right? Mm -hmm. I was raised in mega Catholic. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Um, And, you know, because I was Mm -hmm. nine. So you got to tell a nine year old they're not worthy to receive you. But when I went to college uh, at the NYU Mm -hmm. Catholic Center in Greenwich Village, Mm -hmm. you know, I had like the very liberal priests and where gay couples were openly welcomed. And this is the 80s. -hmm. And uh, the priests there, they, they didn't make anybody kneel. They never kneeled and they said nope we don't think so we think standing is a form of respect and Mm -hmm. i got to know this priest and he you know he kind of taught me like again i'm not i don't kiss the ring anymore i'm I'm not a a catholic Mm -hmm. but that the most important thing isn't the position of the body mm -hmm. but it is the condition of the Mm -hmm. soul and so if your heart is attuned to mm -hmm. what you're trying to pray or meditate on then the posture doesn't matter so, right. whatever well, there, works. Work, a, on, yeah. work on your yoga poses if you want in church, if you like. Don't feel confined to kneeling or standing. Go ahead and do child's pose, whichever. Do calisthenics if it helps.
12: There's a passage in the Bible that says there shall be no kneeling stones in the land of Israel. Because kneeling okay. stones were considered part of um paganism and and bowing then the
0: catholics who raised me are terrible jews bill the catholics who raised me are terrible jews
12: well i was wondering if jesus was known for kneeling or anything like that you're allowed to bow bowing is fine Mm -hmm. and if you ever watch a a jewish service you'll see the men bowing and they do it out of sync it looks sort of like a wave you
0: know right Um, well i'll 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 be Gentile with you. I got to run. TV's Frank is here, but I thank you, Bill. I think we've, we've solved a lot tonight and we've, we've moved the entire conversation forward for a grateful nation.
10: You've solved nothing. No, we
0: saw plenty. And in my, are better. Tense,
10: in my, in my 10 seconds of research.
0: Did you research I, kneeling? Yes. <laughs> the amount of vulgar jokes I wanted to tell, but just didn't feel proper because we're talking about church, uh, but go ahead.
10: Well, he said that he said there were no kneeling stones in Israel. And I was just like, well, I, I, that's probably why, you know, that's, they probably don't like rock music. There's no kneel no and no stones. <laughs> oh, oh, folks. Oh, no, but, oh, but I did, I did some, <laughs> 10 seconds of research. I Googled. You should meet my wife. Do, she doesn't like to ever kneel either, if you know what I'm saying. Well, I told you. Uh, I, I,
0: I what Googled, do you get when you, you cross my wife and an IBM? A computer that never goes down.
10: Oh, oh. Well, I'll tell you, I get no respect. <laughs> the um i googled why do christians kneel and um you know it's it's on par with bowing your head it's just like you said it's It's it's, being penitent being being reverent and you're right it's it goes hand in hand with rising and standing
4: yeah it's It's not groveling and then
10: but like but like you you'd bow your head only to raise it and they're both symbolic uh correct the things yeah so
0: (laughs) there we go and if you don't want to kneel, the Catholic Church will bring it to your knees with guilt one way or another. Frank Conniff is a comedy writer and a great stand-up who began his TV career writing for the Peabody Award-winning comedy central series Mystery Science Theater 3000, where he played TV's Frank, a bumbling yet lovable mad scientist sidekick. Frank went on to be a writer, producer, and actor on the ABC series Sabrina the Teenage Witch. He was a writer and producer on the Duke Carey Show. We are always lucky any time Mr. Conniff answers our calls and joins us. Please... Welcome, Joe Coy's understudy for hosting at the Golden Globe Awards. TV's Frank Frank Conniff. Hello, Mr. Conniff.
11: Oh. hey, John. Uh, uh, great to be here. And uh, as you know, the the penitent the penitent man will pass because I took your whole discussion as a as a reference to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which I think is the, the pent- last time meals. I heard the phrase penitent. Uh, mm-hmm. And if he hadn't kneeled when he did that, he would have got his head chopped off when he was trying You're to exactly get to the You're exactly right. Trail.
0: See, so we brought it back to sacred scripture, Indiana Jones 3. Uh, the penitent man kneels before God. Kneel! Great moment. Well, hello, Mr. Conniff. It's great to have you with us. Happy Friday. Great
11: great to be here, and uh, happy Friday to you. And I I was very excited by uh, your uh, viralness this week. Uh, uh, Frank, Leslie I asked Jones. you not to talk
0: about that. I took the I took I took the penicillin and it's all gone away. Oh, you mean the other thing, the, the, the yes. Go ahead. Well, Thank
11: Le- you. Le- Leslie Jones uh like uh, posted your which I saw in real time, uh the MSNBC segment where you said <laughs> you something saw it? that was very truthful that a lot of – but you know what and it went well, I saw it all over the internet because it's one of those really truthful things that people don't hear enough, you know. And yeah. uh, and you said it and you eloquently said. did, and uh, it was great. And and, and also, you. people pointed out that I love was that it made some of the other panelists really uncomfortable.
0: It, everyone said that it really didn't. They were all super nice to me. I know the lady <laughs> made a face at one point, but she was so nice uh, afterwards, and she's going to come on the show. I'm doing her podcast. Everyone said I freaked them out, but and I knew I all the other you people. Did. I
11: think they're you know Basil
0: people. You know, Basil Smeichel, he was a regular when we were on Current TV. Basil Smeichel was a regular on our show at Current TV, and now he's on uh, MS all the time.
11: I think they're nice people, but I think you did make them uncomfortable only because um that kind of truth you don't normally hear in that in, on those cable news shows. i
0: know i know pierce morgan called me today and asked me to come on his show because he's taping in new york next week and i was like ah, i think i gotta think i gotta be i'm gonna be out of town pierce sorry um I'll, I'll do i'll do it he's all right but yeah it it freaked a lot of people out i got a, i got some death threats and the nice thing about it was oh uh, cool the, the 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 number two comment was people saying thank God someone said this. The number one comment, of course, was you don't look healthy. What's wrong? I had a cold and I look awful. Oh, uh, so, you look yeah. fine. You I look saw fine. one lady was saying, oh no, I uh, please don't be vegan. This is what you'll look like. And I'm like, is it that bad? Jesus. But uh, but thank you, Frank. Yeah, Leslie Jones shared it, and then um, uh, 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 Mira Sorvino, our old pal, shared it as well, and uh, Pink oh, shared God bless it, and her. so it got it got seen yeah. around a bit. Sarah um, Silverman g- shared it. Did Sarah? Oh, I got to thank her for that. Yeah,
11: on on, on Instagram, yeah.
0: Oh, maybe I can finally get her to come on the freaking show. Uh, Listen, Frank, we have a lot of things that we want to cover tonight. There's a lot going on in the world, starting with the presidential campaign. Joe Biden gave two big speeches this week, and I want to play this clip, Mm A4, on CNN. Here is uh, Nancy Pelosi tempting fate. Tell me if this is wise or not, but here she is telling us Donald Trump has 0% chance of winning the 2024 election. Give a listen.
4: I think many of us know that it is impossible uh, for him to be the president again with what he is proposing. Well, because when you're talking about what he's talking about now is more tax cuts for corporate America, taking them down so low to the detriment uh, uh, of our budget and meeting the needs of people. But people have to know. I have said over and over again President Lincoln said public sentiment is everything. Right. With it, you can accomplish almost anything. Without it, practically nothing but public sentiment has to be informed people have to know so we can talk more about what he has done what it means at the kitchen table for people to have lower costs for prescription drugs lower costs for health care because it's not just about their good health it's about their financial health and security as well and instead of just talking about why aren't they doing more we are and we will
0: are you worried, Frank? The media wants us to be worried. I know the pollsters want us to be worried. Joe Biden doesn't seem too worried. It seems like he knows people are going to maybe vote more against Trump well, than for him. And he seems to know that Roe v. Wade is going to be in his corner.
11: I, I hope he doesn't feel that way. I, I, I feel and I we've talked before, about I think the polls are bullshit. And to yep. predict the election now based on polls has historically been proven wrong. But I say every minute should be we should go forward every second under the assumption that Donald Trump could very well win the election. And that that is how we should proceed. That should be our attitude. Even if some polls come out showing Biden ahead. I don't care about that or the other polls. Uh, I, I think we should just always be thinking that the worst Absolutely could happen because it did happen. And I was on your show in 2016 and uh, none of us thought that Trump would win. And, and you know, and we, we I remember where we were on the air when the whole grab by the pussy thing happened. And I think we were with Judy, Judy Gold, Gold
0: with Judy Gold was right. on
11: with us. We were and laughing. I, I think there was an assumption in the room like a really uh, optimistic thing, like this is the end of Donald Trump, you know, yeah. and and we were so wrong. We were so naive to think that. And uh, so I say to 2024, you have to assume that Trump is going to do really well, even if he's in jail, he'll do well.
0: Uh huh. I think you're right. People don't want to hear it. But yeah, yeah. you know, Cenk Uger's here. He's oh, running, so. as you know, as a Democrat, he's not running third party. He's like Marianne uh, is running as a Democrat. He's already said he will support Biden. And he said that he's running to try to draw attention to how naturalized citizens should be able to run for president. But he thinks Biden's poor polling numbers are insurmountable. He says no one's ever come yeah, back. Yeah, I've a actually low
11: uh, had a little argument with Cenk on, Tell on me. Twitter, and I, and I love Cenk, but I did. I forget exactly, but I did some post about what I just said to you about how unreliable the polls are. And then he said he wrote me back uh, very respectfully and said, I disagree. And, um, uh, yeah, he really is, is thinks that that Biden's in trouble, you know, but um, yeah. I, I say I say go with that attitude. Let's let's assume he's I agree. In trouble. Let's, I agree. Let's, let's let's but let's get him reelected and uh and and i really like jake and one thing i have in common with him uh is that neither of us are going to be the next president of the united
0: states so that's actually yes (laughs) yeah probably (laughs) um i want to play you another one this is house speaker mike johnson He's continuing to insist that the top line agreement with Senate leadership remains intact, despite the boat rocking from his own GOP conference. I think House Speaker Mike Johnson realizes it only takes the vote of one member in his caucus to have the entire body have a chance to vote to send him to Kevin McCarthy Island. Uh, Give a listen, Frank.
6: After weeks of hard fought negotiations. We achieved a strong top-line agreement that allows our Appropriations Committee and and all those who work on this to complete the appropriations process. It's an important part of keeping the government running. The top-line agreement includes hard-won concessions to cut more billions, as you know, from the IRS giveaway and the COVID-era slush funds. It replaces accounting gimmicks from the prior FRA agreement, and it brings Congress much closer to regular order, which is our big commitment here. In keeping with my commitment to bring members into the legislative process, I've spoken and received feedback this week from many members all across the Republican Conference. That's a very important part of this. When I became Speaker, I committed to decentralizing the Speaker's office and making this a a member-driven process. That's been part of this. Our top-line agreement remains. We are getting our next steps together, and we are working toward a robust appropriations process. So stay tuned for all of that to develop. (laughs)
0: That's a scene from the film Dead Man Walking 2, the Mike Johnson story. <laughs> I mean, Frank, the right wing of his party, the the Nazi flank, is furious that he is going to keep up with this bipartisan spending deal that they despise and work with Democrats instead of letting the government shut down and thousands of people suffer.
11: Well, you know, the worst uh, sin that any Republican in Congress can commit, according to Republicans, is to legislate anything unless it's to prosecute unless it's to impeach Hunter Biden from from mm-hmm. his office as a private citizen. Um, so it's all everything these people say is all bad faith. It's all bullshit. You know, I was in the subway station the other day and for the first time in, I think, decades, I saw a Hari Krishna uh, with the tambourine oh. and singing Krishna Krishna. And I was tempted to make Love fun it. of him. I was tempted to make fun of him, but then I, I remember that in considering the religious nuts running around the country right now, Hare Krishna's are the least of our problems. And you have a Thank guy like you. Mike Didn't... like Mike Mike Johnson, who's a complete religious nut, you know, just like an insane religious person. And, um, you know, so let, let the let the Hare Krishna's oh, play Frank. their tambourines. They're relatively harmless.
0: You're melting my heart. You're melting my heart. After all the George Harrison music I made you listen to, to hear you say this, I feel like I, uh, I achieved something in this world. Well, he wasn't really Hare Krishna, though, was he? He was George Harrison. Was he produced the Hare Krishna mantra that became the hit single around the? I mean, oh. he he produced their single. He recorded and produced it. He he released a whole record with the Hare Krishnas. Yeah,
11: but you know that, that all was, of. But
0: then you saw there was
11: found out the entire hari krishna religion was based on the song um he's so fine um and that's where they got it from i knew that you would get that it took you a second but uh, i knew of all people you would get that
0: Oh, my God, that was a deep cut. We're at 866-997-4748. I do want to talk to you about the Golden Globes and hosting the Golden uh-huh. Globes. Let's talk to a couple of our our listeners, shall we? Uh, Michael in the Bronx, welcome. You're on SiriusXM with TV's Frank Frank Conniff. Hi, Michael. Hi, John. Can you hear me? Yeah, how can are you, me? sir? I'm doing Yes, well, I can well, hear well. you. Can you hear us? I sure Good. can.
13: The last time I spoke with you was just prior to my having surgery. I told you I had colon cancer, stage one. Oh. It was a success. Yes, sir. Cancer was gone.
0: I'm so awesome. Thank you. Wonderful news. Thank you. Very glad.
13: I had to call in um, because of the now not one, but two big lies being told by two riffraffs, namely Trump and Elise Stefanik. The first big lie, of course, Uh that they say the election was stolen, which it was not. I mean, how the hell can you say mm-hmm. the election was stolen when two-thirds of the nation voted against you? But then now they're saying mm-hmm. that the insurrectionists that are in prison are hostages. No, they are not. They are convicted yeah. can you of terrorists. And we have had these laws in place for several years, well before they got their asses into office, while they had their asses yes. in office, and even after Trump yes. had left office. And so now, Miss Elise, okay. you are an accessory to Trump, and this leads to me to having to make a slight defense for Kristen Walker. Of Meet the Press, which that huh? that interview with Stefani came about. Now, people think that she. Yeah, I thought everything. I
0: thought it was real. I thought it was a lovely interview, especially like the part where Kristen Welker gave her a, a foot massage and poured her some herbal tea <laughs> and, and asked if she needed anything during the interview. That was great.
13: No, but I know this what's bath. happening. I know this was what's
0: happening. Oh, yeah, she paid, she paid some is, loans for her off and did picked up her dry cleaning. Go ahead, Michael. Well,
13: I, no, I'm, I'm being serious There, The thing is that... Please, go ahead. ...Walker would let them speak their piece, but she would turn around and fact-check them right in their face, saying, there's no evidence of this or that, and she does so in a very mild-mannered way. But what she uses mm. to her advantage is that... These people want to come on the show and spew their lies, and they'd be talking crap to incriminate themselves. Guess what? You dumb idiots, not you guys, of course, are on audio and video once again to where you got people like Joanne Reed, others on television, mm-hmm. MSNBC, CNN, and then on radios like SiriusXM and your callers like yours okay. truly calling them out. And if we're calling that's right paying attention, the uh-huh. is likely paying attention. The Department of Justice.
0: Mm-hmm. You see why? Holler right. back, Michael. I yeah, do. You had a pot of gold at the end of that linguistic rainbow, and you you brought us to it, Frank.
11: Well, yeah. I mean, it's uh, there's all kinds of uh, incriminating things that they say. Donald Trump in his last town hall bragging about uh, Roe v. Wade about how he destroyed Roe v. Wade. I mean, that's that's all stuff. That's gold for his opponent. There's your for, campaign for the head right there. Body. Right yeah. there. But I, I, I just um, I can't get on board with the idea that uh, that Christian Welker uh, did a good job in that interview. And and, and I, I believe no. that maybe maybe her bosses tell her not to. They, they seem very invested in doing a both sides thing and treating treating these insurrectionists and these liars as respected people. But that's the, their thing. That's I think to me, there, nothing is more indicative of the state of uh, broadcast journalism right now than the fact that Christian Welker is the host of Meet the Press and Mendy Hassan is no longer on MSNBC.
0: No longer. Everyone, everyone
11: acknowledges is the best interviewer of anybody, the toughest interviewer, undoubtedly— Absolutely great at his job. He's not there anymore. They don't want him there.
0: He's not there. Yeah, no, it's really true. And they have Kristen Welker, who you know, I think. I mean, she. I saw her do a really fascinating, really gritty, no holds barred debate with um, one of uh, David Gregory's old ties. Uh, it was really great. <laughs> they brought out the best in both of them. I never thought I'd miss David Gregory before, but my God, Frank, my God. I don't, <laughs> um, miss, I don't look, miss. I gotta any ask of you them. about. I got to ask you about the Golden Globes. Um, sure. It's not often that a comics monologue gets the most ink generated out of an award show, but it's mm-hmm. not often that you have the Golden Globes come back after being on the verge of extinction, and then no... I mean, everyone turned the gig down, right? Joe Coy right. was offered it with about 18 days to go. He said it was 10. It was really 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest is history, and uh, of course, mm-hmm. I wanted to get your thoughts on it because it's been a long time since I've seen the... Uh, Every now and then, someone will do a national anthem at a sporting event, Ooh, and it'll be awful, uh, and everyone will talk about it. It's really not often the entire world is talking about a comedian's problematic stand-up set. And um, that's what we began the week with.
11: Yeah, and you know, uh, we're, we both sympathize because we're comedians. We know that it's a tough gig. Um, but he was just, he just showed such poor judgment. Um, and, and for yeah. one thing, him throwing his writers under the bus—that's was the worst offense that's of it. all. I mean, uh, you know, he got nervous and 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 said that, and um, you know, and just it, you know, it's his responsibility that he looked at the, whoever wrote that Barbie
0: boobies joke. He signed off and on he it.
11: Thought, yeah, he, that'll he that'll them. be that'll be that'll be a good joke to do. I mean, it's so. You know, you could talk about his, the insensitivity or whatever, but as a comedian, you know, the biggest crime is that he was so hacky. I mean, he was just a hacky comic. I mean, to there. To, and, to and and come I've never seen I've never seen his regular stand up. Maybe he's great. I know he's probably worked really hard in his act, but just that particular set was just Did you ever a see him comedian. on Chelsea? No. Did you ever no. watch him on Chelsea
0: when he was on all the time?
11: No, I I I don't, they, they uh, dated as
0: well. They were they were they were a thing oh, for a
11: while. well it was it was uh it yeah. was shockingly bad, but there's we're living in an era now where where we have some incredibly great stand-up comedy and we also are in a position where a once great uh where where transphobia has turned a once great comedian like Dave Chappelle into a hack. Dave Chappelle is a hack now. I don't know if you saw that. Clip of him doing the, his I watched, latest. I watched the new latest anti-trans joke, where he does like a Mickey I Rooney in a Mickey Rooney in in Breakfast at Tiffany's Asian voice, and I, I was just shocked by just the sheer hackiness of it. And this is a guy <laughs> who I will never be as great a comedian as him. At at his, but he's one of the greats. But now because of his transphobia, it's 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 turned him into a hack. You know, and the same thing with Ricky Gervais. He's been transformed. You
0: know? He's yeah. been transformed. He's you know, I'll tell you what surprised, me the most, what surprised me the most about the Dave Chappelle special. Um, he had a couple funny parts in it. He had some, a couple, you know, good parts. Talk about Huckleberry Finn, and if you know a white person named Huckleberry, I don't care who you are, you make more money than him. Like, there are mm-hmm. some good lines in it. But mm-hmm. I've never seen Dave Chappelle name drop his celebrity friends more. I mm-hmm. just... It was an hour of name dropping Jim Carrey and Norm Macdonald and so many people. And, I, wow. you know, I, 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 I get it. And it, and look, he Chappelle has an advantage. Everyone knows him. He's playing to crowds that come to see him. Joe Coy sold out Madison Square Garden. Did you know that? Dude sold out Madison Square Garden. I
11: didn't know that. Yeah, so him, he when people know. come
0: to see him, he's very comfortable to playing to rooms that come to see him. Right, but you can tell there's being a stand-up who can play any room, and then there's knowing how to do a set right. and, and you Lord know who? Show. who,
11: who, who and, uh, uh, I was just going to say on on Twitter, Eliza Skinner made a really great point: is that when Ricky Gervais and Tina Fey and Amy Poehler hosted, polar they went they went hard on the crowd too. You know they they. Said yeah. some cutting things about people in the audience. But as as Elijah pointed out, they, they came there as equals, as people that everybody That's right. in the audience knew who they are. They're peers of the people in the audience. It's a different thing for a comic true. like they... Joe Coy to come out and, You're right. and try to, like, dominate like that. It just didn't work.
0: I'll just say one thing before the break. I thought just making a joke about Barbie and boobies... Mm. is exactly everything the barbie movie teaches us girls have to deal with all the time i could tell he hadn't seen the film because the ignorance of that joke aside from that it was tacky and beneath him it was literally the theme of what women have to put up with the entire time in that movie quick break we'll be right back with more with tv's frank frank conniff and your calls at progress I'm John Fuglesang. This is SiriusXM Progress. We are at 866-997-4748. I am joined by TV's Frank, Mr. Frank Conniff. Hello there. <laughs> Thank you, Frank. Did you uh, Were you pleased with how the films turned out at the uh, Golden Globes? How the winners were? Um, um,
11: I, I, I think some... Uh, what were the winners again? I, I, I think some... Was, like, uh, I haven't seen...
0: Oppenheimer? Yeah, Oppenheimer. Oh, poor Things is uh, Oppenheimer was the drama winner and Poor Things was the comedy winner. Poor Things uh, is my favorite movie of the year, I think, with uh with a zone of interest a uh, uh, close. I up.
11: I I have to see it, but if you're gonna do a, a comedy category, um I, I feel like bottoms was snub because I thought bottoms was the funniest movie I saw this year. But uh, pleasure. Uh, uh, but Oppenheimer, I'm I'm gonna predict right here. It's gonna take it. At the Academy Awards, Christopher Nolan, it's his turn to win an Oscar.
0: Yeah, I know. The best director. I know. This is the
11: film to give it to. Marty got his
0: I know they got will. His Oscar I know. That, I know. that they
11: gave him because they never gave him one before. So he got it
0: for I The know. Departed,
11: which I love, as opposed to Raging Bull or Goodfellas, which he should have gotten it for. I know. That should have been his third Oscar, but...
0: I agree oh so, yeah I was I, I was it, listen it was I, think, I think I think Robert De Niro plays the I, I think Robert De Niro gives maybe the best performance of a racist in this movie since Ooh. John Wayne in the searchers like it is one <laughs> of the all-time great performances of a white supremacist because De Niro uh-huh. plays it Wayne played it as a psychotic obsessed with racial purity mm-hmm. De Niro plays it as the kindly old gentleman who wants to destroy these people and he's yeah. gonna do it while smiling in their faces I thought so it was that a was great a, performance but it's a
11: real real person You know, who was really like that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Let's go to the phones. I I, I hope that Lily Gladstone gets best actress. I think she has a good shot at it. I think she will. Um, And I loved her in that movie. Let's say hello to uh, Ralph in Connecticut. Hi, Ralph. What's up? Uh, Do you have Ralph? uh, Oh, hey, Frank. Always good to hear um, when you're on the
12: air, too. Thank Um, you. But anyway, I had a real simple um, slogan for uh, Democrats uh, for this upcoming election, keeping in the spirit of what you guys were discussing, much as it pains me to say it, that, you know, it's an election. He could get elected. I, I hate to even say that. Yeah. And it is this. It's this. Real simple. This one's for keeps. That's it. That has to be inserted into the messaging. Make that the message. Festoon it any way you want. But that's it. I mean, nice. that's it. it. This one's for keeps. Yeah. It it really is.
0: Yeah. That's a good know. slogan. I mean, it scares slogan. me. Yeah, I'm scared absolutely. straight. I'll show up. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. Uh, you know, Frank, I think that the White House should sell this as being the ultimate reality show election because you, you your vote is to either put Donald Trump in the White House or to put him in jail. Either way, that's what your mm. vote will determine, whether he does time or mm. gets the gig back. And yeah. I think that's going to drive a lot of people out to vote. But I could be wrong. Uh, Rachel in L.A. is on the line. Hello, Rachel. You're on with TV's Frank. Hello. <laughs>
8: Um, Hello. Hi. Yeah, I really was kind of. I mean, I was watching that live, the Golden Globes, and I was like, "Oh boy!"
3: I was like, "This person's career is going
0: to be over." For-. I mean, it was so bad. It was. I, I mean, Har- all the watching Harrison Ford wince—it was. No, yeah. it was terrible. I saw Dame Judi Dench just getting drunk during it. It was horrible. It was awful. <laughs> just the worst part about it for this poor guy was seeing all the all the cutaway shots of all the celebrities just being in pain and how bad the jokes were. The Taylor Swift thing. Oh, I felt bad. There
9: i mean yeah, the, Frank?
0: Just, no i was just gonna Frank. say the taylor's the taylor swift
11: thing i mean that wasn't even an offensive joke or anything it was just it a weak. it wasn't it her expense. it was it was a yeah. weak joke but i think that the shot of taylor swift was just she already decided she hated him i don't think it had a lot to do with the no. joke
0: it was just no i, know she I felt not so bad for not, him. not being entertained <laughs> Oh, yes. no, the Barbie joke he I mean, lost that. the entire room. But one but one rule in the clubs, and you see this in, in open mics, when you criticize the audience for not laughing at your jokes, it's over. <laughs> it's done. Yeah. It
8: yeah. is. And yeah. like also the the I had just watched the Barbie. Oh, you know what? So weird. I was watching the Barbie movie, you know, and I'm like, this high school yeah. looks really familiar and that's my damn junior high school
3: that's in the movie.
11: Oh, awesome. Oh yeah. It was nice. I don't have good great memories you.
3: of it. I think Barbie had more fun there than I did.
11: Oh, uh, it's so- a good movie. I liked it a lot.
3: Oh, I loved it. it yeah, so I enjoyed good. it.
11: I yeah. love, I love all of uh, the the scripts that she and Noah Baumbach have written together are all really good. I think. I should go back and, and written, do those. Yeah, she they co-wrote uh, Francis Ha, which which was good. And then there was one that I saw on cable recently that I think it got almost no attention when it came out. Nobody talks about it. It's a film he directed that they co-wrote that she's the star in called Mistress America. And and, and it was yeah. really, really good, really funny, Got really entertaining. Really good reviews. Um, Got good reviews. So that right that right is one talented one talented couple, I have to say. And yeah. then of course she made a great film without co-writing with him uh lady bird you know so she uh, Mm -hmm. just
0: very impressive and 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 he and he did marriage story which was the comedy of the year for me i mean just hilarious (laughs) Uh, worst titled film worst titled film ever that that movie's called divorce story people don't don't be don't be fooled (laughs) rachel thank you so much for calling it's great to hear from you really quick before the break I, i have time for a really quick one for mitch from kent state hey mitch i give you a minute
12: well, uh, yeah, first start. of all, uh, happy birthday Motown Records today, John. Sixty-five years old today, Motown Records. Right and, on. Uh,
0: Thank you, Barry Gordy.
12: John, you, when uh, I know your mom was sick at the time, but when uh, Frank and uh, Liz was here in Cleveland for the Hurricane Trump in twenty sixteen, yes. yes, they did the panning of the uh, convention, which was hilarious. But uh, Frank, last mm-hmm. night I was talking to John about uh, p- political humor, political satire. It's just not what it used to be. I mean, when, when we have Lenny Bruce and and, uh, and uh, Richard Pryor and Carl, and you know, I, I just so today, if, if it would work, you know, there's just so much division and stuff today that whether political satire would work today in today's circumstances. I mean... I think it a, will, I, I think, think political
11: I mean, satire, I mean, political satire will always work, I think. But I, I have to say, and I don't know if, if if everybody agrees with me, I think Trump has been terrible for political comedy because yeah. he's just yeah. so looms over everything. Uh, and there's only so much you can there's only so many cartoons you can write about a cartoon. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And ironically, I think cartoons are some of the best satire in American entertainment. Mm-hmm. Live action is more yeah. about parody. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. parody is a lot easier to do than satire and satire is not easy to do well. But there are so many great political comics and there are some great satirists as, as well out there. And you know this, Mitch, come on. Yeah. You got, I mean, yeah. You got John Oliver. It's, you got so many good ones good, and a lot of good true, ones who aren't a lot of good ones who don't have their own TV shows yet, but they're out there. Yeah, I just... uh, Thanks, Mitch. I got to run. I got to run, Mitch. I'm sorry. We're out of time. Chris is going to put me in jail. TV's Frank. Thank you for joining us this evening. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you? And when is the next Mads are Back show?
11: Uh, The next Mads are Back show is uh, the second uh, Tuesday in February, which I think is maybe a day before or a day after Valentine's Day. Uh, We already picked a great movie to do, um, Mutiny in Outer Space from like 1965. (laughs) Wonderful movie. (laughs) And um, brilliant. And you can go to the com, dumb-industries.com, or I'm all over all of the irrelevant social media sites now. Like,
0: uh, Twitter. <laughs> we will have you back on hopefully before then to promote it as well. So, thank you, Frank. It's great to end the week with you. It's lovely to see you. Thanks for being with us. Happy New Year. This is progress.